we may look at the world and say, what is God doing? Or you may look at your own personal life and think, man, what, what is God up to in my life? And <clears throat> Charles Swindoll said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Well, you think about that, and it makes all the difference in the world, the perspective. Many times we just feel like, oh, life is just coming at me, and it's just bombarding me, and bummer of a life. Well, when you think of it in, in this light, life is 10% what happens to you, and 90% how you respond to it, um, it changes things. Most of us think and trouble ourselves too much with what we have no control over. <clears throat> you have no control over Ukraine and Russia. You have no control over the price of gas or eggs or toilet paper you have no control whether Dollar General will be opened or closed. You have no control over the weather. You have no control over politics. I mean, <clears throat> you have a vote. You can write your congressman, but you have no control over it. You have no control over the news. <clears throat> They lied to us about COVID, about the vaccines, about ivermectin, about January 6th, about elections, about education, about climate change. They've lied about all of those. And um, if you question, I'd be happy to show you how they have, okay, later, all right? So I don't believe, but I have no control over what they say. <clears throat> And most of the things that we trouble ourselves with, we have no control over. And yet, 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we respond. So we come to a new year and we think, what is God doing in my life, in our community, in our nation, in the world? And it is important that we understand God's will. And in the passage that we have today, He clearly gives us His will. It's a word from God. Honestly, we don't need any new revelation. We need to obey the revelations that we have received. And so we, we ask ourselves, okay, in this situation... 10% what happens to me. How am I supposed to respond? What is God's will in my life? <clears throat> well, we begin by asking, what is God's will? And we have to begin with 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
The first thing in dealing in our own life or in dealing with anyone else in understanding what is God's will, <clears throat> we will perish and are perishing unless we repent from our sin and turn to God, unless we turn from self to Jesus Christ, unless we turn from our own works to trust the grace and the free gift of Jesus Christ. That's what repentance is. It is turning. God is not willing that any should perish. So it is God's will that all should repent. And that's the message that beginning with John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, the disciples, and all through the ages... The dark ages, all through the ages, God has had a remnant of people that have proclaimed that message, you must be born again. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Turn from self to God. Turn from our own effort, our trusting in our own ways, to trusting in Jesus Christ alone. So... That is first. That is foundational. God is not willing that any should perish. <clears throat> but then we go on to understand God's will. It is God's will for everyone who has repented to be like Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 8. We'll get back to Colossians here in just a moment. But Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> We often quote, and, and rightfully so, Romans 8.28. Romans 8, to me, is a mountain peak that stands high with so many truths in it that encourage us, beginning with, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, and it goes on and says he gave us his spirit. His spirit makes intercessions for us. And then Romans 8:28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we often stop there. But notice the next verse. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, God is able to make all things work together for good to them who love God and are committed to his purpose. What is the good? The good is in verse 29. The good is God has predetermined whoever is his child, he is going to work in their lives to shape them to be like Christ. He has predetermined that. If you are a child of God, you say, what is God trying to do in my life? Well, generally speaking, he's trying to make you like Christ. That's what he's doing. And we'll get in today and, and look at that in a little more detail. But this is God's plan and purpose. Now back to Colossians. Paul is writing to the believers in Colossae. And he said, verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 1, Since you have been risen with Christ, since you are born again, you have spiritual life, seek those things which are above. 
And in the passage, he then goes in and he says, these are things you need to put off. And we're not going to spend much time on that today. But very important that these are things that you ought to put off. Then, in our memory verse, since you are raised with Christ, therefore, my beloved brethren, he says to them, I want you to put on, and he goes through and lists these things. Put on, that means to adopt a lifestyle consistent with your new life. You have new life. You, you have new purpose. You have a new master. You have a new power. So he says, quit living the old life and now put on the new life. This is an outward manifestation of what an inwardly has taken place. So he gives us a rundown. So we ask, okay, what does it mean to be Christ-like? Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And we're just going to go right through these memory verses here today. And, and I'm telling you, this is God's will for you for 2023. No matter what happens, this is what God wants you to do. He says, I want you to be full of mercy. I want you to be full of compassion. The idea put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy from your innermost being, a, a deep concern for the hurts and concerns and needs of others. It's the exact opposite of indifference. It is... It is a longing to, to notice and, and have compassion upon the needs of others. So be full of mercy. This is, this is God's will, regardless of what happens in your life. Then he goes on and he says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, and what he's saying is, if you are a Christian, if you have new life and you're living the new life, one of the things that should characterize your life is kindness. Now see, you're going to run into situations in this coming year, month, or day that you are going to run into situations that you don't feel like being kind because they're not being kind to you. And he says, but if you are a believer, you need to put off the reacting like you used to. I'm not, God's saying, I'm not so concerned about what's happening to you. I'm concerned about your response. And your response should be kindness. In, in not responding in kind, the way they treat me, I treat them. No, I rise above. It is, it is a spirit. We don't need to belabor the point, but we know what it is to be kind. 
I mean, it, it's so easy for us. Someone's short with us. So then we're short with them. Fine. And in our mind, I'll show you two can play this game. Or I don't have to put up with this in our mind. And he says, wait a minute. You have a new life. You have a new master. This isn't Christ-like. Put on kindness. And then he adds, humbleness of mind. This is the exact opposite of self-love. Self-love poisons all relationships. And, And let me just stop here a minute. This is all about relationships. And it's all about relationships in a church. That's who he's writing to. Believers in a church. And he assumes that we're in relationships. And he says, in those relationships, you will have a tendency to not be full of mercy and not be kind But he says, you need to be and you need to put on humbleness of mind. The opposite of self-seeking. When you love yourself, you're self-seeking and you desire things for yourself, whatever they are. Not Not necessarily possessions, but we desire to be noticed. We desire to be praised. We desire to be appreciated. And it is that selfishness that will poison our relationships with others. And then it becomes difficult for us to really talk about our Christianity because our life is not matching with our talk. And he says, in humbleness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Well, they're not better than me. Well... They're on the same level with God as you are. And if we think we're better than anyone, we need to put off our pride and put on the coat of humility. Be clothed in humility. So these are the things, okay? Um, I don't know what will happen to you this week, but I know whatever happens, God wants you to embrace humility. Whatever happens, he wants you to manifest kindness. Whatever happens, he then goes on, humility of mind, meekness. This is not a weakness. It's not just being a doormat. It's not just um, laying down and, and um, saying, okay, whatever you want. Meekness is giving up our own personal rights. It is a willingness to suffer wrong rather than to inflict it. If somebody's going to get hurt in this deal, let it be me. If somebody has to suffer here, let it be me. If somebody has to um, take the short end of the deal, let it be me. There's a a gentleness implied in this meekness. And this meekness 
is one of the characteristics that Jesus identified about himself. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, For I am meek and lowly of heart. He, he wasn't defending his own rights. He wasn't defending his own way. He was willing to, to suffer the loss, even to the point of the cross. So, he says, I want you, this is God's will for 2023, for January, for January 1st. It's God's will that we put on meekness. And then he adds, long-suffering and forbearing one another. This is the opposite of resentment or revenge. It's the opposite of anger. And, and okay, we have resentment, we have revenge, we have anger. And most of us as Christians know we shouldn't go there and we try to avoid it. And so we'll camp in the camp of being cynical. I'm not angry. I just know anything I did for them would be wasted anyway. A cynical attitude is just as sinful because it's not long-suffering and it's not forbearing. And can you imagine if God became cynical with you and I? He says, no, I, don't want, I want you to be long-suffering and forbearing. It means to bear with, to, to hold up under, whether it's persecution, whether it's injury, whether it's threats, or indifference, or insults, or complaints, or defamation of your character, whatever it is, literally the Greek word that is used here means to hold yourself back when you're tempted to fly off the handle, when you're tempted to give peace, people a piece of your mind. It is a beautiful characteristic to be able to endure. To be able to say, hey, the Lord has a reason for this. The Lord has a purpose for this. And it's up to me now to manifest a godly quality of endurance in this situation. You know, as let me just pause to say here, if we as Christians, if we as a church really begin to practice these things, that's what we'd call revival. That's what would make a difference in not only personal relationships here, but in the communities that we live. To be long-suffering. And then he says to be forgiving. And again, every one of these you could preach a sermon on, but to be forgiving. Um, and again, he's mentioning it here in the realm of, of the church. But it is in, in our ways... When someone offends us, the issue is not what they did. The issue is how we respond. And I can respond 
by taking it and dwelling on it and carrying it with me. And this burden of bitterness I carry with me. And it hinders me. And I can say, well, I don't have anything against them. I don't have anything for them either. And they just stay out of my life and I'll stay out of theirs. And we mutually agree to that. But a root of bitterness, Hebrews tells us, springs up. We go along and we run into another situation that reminds us of this one. And it springs up and it troubles many. You know what? We sometimes say, I'll forgive them when they come and ask me. So I'm going to carry this bitterness around with me until they do. It's better to say, you know what, God has forgiven my sins and God, I am willing to forgive them and I am leaving that in your hands, God. I am not going to carry that. I am going to respond in love. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I am going to respond in a manner that reflects Christ-likeness. I am not going to carry that with me. And your heart will be prepared if God moves in their heart to seek forgiveness. <clears throat> you'll, you'll already, that's a, that's a done deal. We don't have time to go into the reality that um, we ought to be meeting each other when the offended one goes to the one that offended or the one knows that this one is offended goes to them. That all adds to it. But we ought to have a spirit of forgiveness. Forgiving even as Christ forgave you. And, and he makes it so personal. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And then he comes and he says, and above all things put on charity, which it's too bad that it was translated that. And it's too bad in our English that we translate all the different words in Greek for love is just love. But this is put on agape love, which is the highest level of love. It is the self-sacrificing love. It is love that binds all these things together. It's like he's saying, put on humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any... Even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all these things, so it put on the belt of love, the, the girdle of love that binds all these things together. Why? If you don't have love, you won't have a humble spirit. If you don't have love, you won't be forgiving. If you don't have love, your kindness will be motivated motivated by self. Love, and he says here, which is the bond of maturity, the bond of perfectness. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. 
and verse 8. Romans 13 and verse 8. Owe no man anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He brings it down into one concise point. Love fulfills the law. If you genuinely have love, you will be kind. You will be compassionate. You will embrace humility. You will be long-suffering and forbearing and forgiving. If our Christianity does not affect how we act toward people... It is a legitimate question to question our Christianity. The good news is that God changes us. Not just that He saves us from hell, but that He changes us. And it will be seen in how we relate to people and people in our local churches, people in our families, people in our community. This is where love really shows up. Part of my morning practice, not every day, but more days in the week than not, I'll read through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he clearly states, it doesn't matter how eloquently you can speak if you don't have love. You're nothing. It doesn't matter if you gave everything you had to feed the poor, gave everything you had to missions. He says, if you don't have love, that's gonna, you're, you're not going to get any credit for that. He says, now there's faith and there's hope and there is love. And the greatest of these is love. You know, I, I read through that and I think, man, how much of my life is going to be nothing? This last week, took all the wrapping from Christmas presents and boxes and took it out and put a match to it. And it is incredible how fast that disappears. And as I stood there and watched that, I thought, man, I hope that isn't what my life will be like. First Corinthians, 13, 1 Corinthians 3, he says, your life will be tried by fire. And if, if it isn't genuine love, it's, going to, it's just going to be like that cheap wrapping paper. And even those sturdy cardboard boxes, man, they just go up in big flames too and there's nothing left. And this is what he's saying. You know my will for you this year? That you learn to live in these characteristics. That's what God's saying. And then he goes on, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Peace is a clear conscience. It's the peace of knowing that I am right with God 
and I am right with other people. A clear conscience is knowing I have not offended other people, but what I have gone back and sought to make it right. And a clear conscience before God is knowing this is what you asked me to do. I did it in your power. And when you have a clear conscience before God and a clear conscience before man, the peace of God rules in your heart. And he means rule. It's the umpire. It's like, you're out of here. If I do this, will I have a clear conscience before God? And if it's, no, I won't, then you're out of here. You got a red card. You're technical foul. You're kicked out of the game. You're done. Get out of here. That thought isn't going to stay here. It's led. If I do this, will I have a clear conscience before this person or someone else? Proverbs says, a conscience void of offense is worth all the money in the world. Why? You're at peace with yourself. You're at peace with God. It also says the wicked flee when no man's pursuing. Why? Because they don't have a clear conscience. So he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And then lastly, he says, be thankful. So here's God's will. What is God doing in my life? And this year, there'll be some bad things happen. On a scale from 1 to 10, there may be all those numbers happen in your life. Well, what is God trying to do? Well, He's trying to teach us to be thankful in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks. And then Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, Giving thanks always for all things, even this, yes. So we say, this is impossible. How do I do this? Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. If you then are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Number one, it is impossible. Your positive mental attitude, you're getting hyped up and saying, man, I'm going to go try to do this. You're answering the 31 questions. That's not going to do it. You need the power of God. It is impossible for any of us to do these things. Apart from the power of God. But Paul said, I can do all these things through Christ which strengthens me. But that means you must seek the eternal. Set my mind on things above, not on things of the earth. I need to seek God. I need to make His perspective my perspective. I need to invest in that. And that means then... Back to our memory verses. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be rich in the Word. Saturate yourself in the Word of God. I mean, it's amazing that Christianity continues 
when you see how little of the Word of God the average Christian gets. I'm not talking about in church. I'm talking about in your own personal life. If, if this next week you ate as much food as in proportion to how much you were in the Word last week, would you come in here next Sunday full of vim, vigor, and physically strong? Or would you be crawling in here or would you be saying, man, I haven't eaten for a week? You, you can't have humbleness of mind unless you fill yourself with the Word of God. You can't be kind. It's not in you or in me to be kind. Oh, I can be kind. We'll see. There will be situations that you cannot respond to unless you have the power of God fully at work in your life and it only comes through the Word of God. And when you fill up with the Word of God, you then will be singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. He'll, there'll be a song in our hearts. It may not be harmonious, but it'll be a song. And, and it's a part of, we're thinking on God, we're, we're walking with Him, we're meditating in the Word of God, we're meditating in it even through song. And then He says, And whatsoever ye do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And in verse 23, it says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing from the Lord you will receive the reward. And to how to do this, do all to the glory of God. In every situation, ask, okay, God, this list that we've been memorizing for the last months, in this situation right now, which one do I need to really put on? In this situation right now, what are you trying to teach me? In this situation, as you're asking me to be kind to this person, I am doing it as to you and not to them. Do they deserve it? In many cases, no. But if God's asked me to do it, then I need to do it. It's immaterial whether they deserve it. I don't feel like humbling myself. I don't feel like this, this, isn't, this isn't right to me. But if God's asking me to serve in this way and, and not be noticed or in fact be insulted, God... Help me to identify with you in this. I'm doing it as to you and not to men. See, it's so important that we understand our Christianity must affect how we deal with people. And sad to say, many people have shriveled up into their own little life and maybe they're in their home reading their Bible and studying... <laughs> But they have nothing to do with other people because they've offended me and I don't like their personality and they're a little weird and this and that. 
God's put me, a weird person, into your life so you can learn these things. He's put us in a church body so you can learn these things. It's not, church isn't to show up and hear a message and then just go away. It is the more we're together, the more we rub each other. And the more we rub each other, the more it gives us an opportunity to be like Christ. And the more we're like Christ, the more difference we'll make in the world, the more difference we'll make in one another's lives. And you know what? I have no clue what and no clue what's going to happen in 2023. But it really doesn't matter. I, I'm getting pretty tired of hearing all the prognosticators saying all these things that's going to happen. What matters is how I respond to it. Am I going to be full of compassion? Or am I going to say to people, Yeah, you had it coming. Made a dumb decision. How many dumb decisions have we made? And God didn't say, You had it coming. Suffer. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Doing everything is to the Lord. In just a moment, Jason's going to come and lead us in a song. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these now have allured my sight. I'm setting my affections on things above not on things of the earth. Something higher, humility of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving. See, we want everything to just go smooth and everybody in our lives to just do what we want so we don't have to forbear, so we don't have to forgive, so we don't have to humble ourselves. That's not Christ-likeness. That's self-centeredness. And my heart's desire in my life and as a church body is that we would, we would truly flush out of our lives Colossians chapter 3. That these would be a part of our lives. And as we do, it will bring glory to God. But it is committing ourselves to it. First of all, have we repented and turned to Him? And then secondly, it, it, God is predetermined. You, you, you can fight it all you want, but He's predetermined that you be Christ-like. And someday we're going to meet up with Christ and we're going to see how far we grew to be like Christ. It's going to be revealed. The fire will try every work. It will be revealed how much we're like Christ. Others may not notice it here, but God does. And that ought to make us say, I am resolved no longer to linger. Lord, I pray that your spirit would stir in the heart of every believer here today to realize how we respond is what you're concerned about. And Lord, that we wouldn't just 
blindly turn away from the opportunities you're putting in our lives to humble ourselves, to put on meekness and long-suffering, to bowels of compassion. Lord, help us to learn genuine love. And it means not keep doing what we have been doing. It will mean change. It will mean setting our affections on things above, not on the things of this earth that don't matter. And Lord, I pray that it really would be flushed out of our daily lives, the truth of Colossians 3, the truth of your word. Lord, we know your will. Now we pray that you would empower us to do it, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.